0: How to dream, cowboys. Welcome to the Westworld Podcast, the fan podcast where we recap each episode and talk about some wild theories. Today's episode, Season 2, Episode 1, Journey Into Night, directed by Richard Lewis and written by Lisa Joy and Roberto Pertino. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. So if you're new to the podcast, thank you for joining us. We know you have your choice of 35 different Westworld podcasts to listen to, and and you're here with us. 35 times a million. There are just as many Westworld podcasts on the internet as there are human beings in the world, I think. So what's special about our podcast is mostly we're doing a recap of each episode and then making some commentary of our own. And we're also a forum for fan theories and fan conversation and, you know, we're amateurs we're both big fans of the show and we're just doing this to enjoy the great show we love with all of you all of that plus what i think we bring james is our personalities you know what i mean yeah our stunning five-star personalities in the last two podcasts we've done i've said the word gumbo 15 times that's the kind of content you're that you're signing you're signing up for you guys are so lucky so we're going to do the recap first and then get into theories and Twitter comments and stuff like that. So if you don't want to have your mind boggled and possibly spoiled, if we hit on a correct theory, we will tell you when we're about to launch into that so you can turn it off. You can put your fingers in your ears and you can close your eyes and say la 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 la, la until the next episode and then take it into you and then put it back out into the world the way that people do with feelings and emotions. So this episode started out with, like, a pretty sweet new intro. Instead of a running horse, we got a buffalo. And instead of just, like, a regular person, now we've got a mother and a baby. And we've never actually seen a baby host. We've seen kid hosts, but not a baby. In the original intro from last season, we saw, I believe, two robot-looking creatures having uh, intercourse, and, and then now, in the second season, we see the what comes after that which is a mother and her child i saw on the internets that someone crafted like mave's face over the face of the of the woman in the intro and it looks pretty similar so it stands to reason what they're actually showing is mave and the baby that she is going after and making a human decision to go find how cute is that this episode was directed by richard j lewis He is a human being who knows a whole lot about Westworld. As I talked to Ptolemy Slocum last week, he said that Richard, along with uh, Frederick E.O. Toy and the show creators Jonah and Lisa, are really able to answer for questions on the whole for actors and for people on the set. So he has a very good understanding of this entire world at a 30,000 foot level. So that's why perhaps that he is directing the premiere episode of season one and it's not Jonah Nolan who usually who did it last time but Jonah will be coming back to do and direct the finale this episode was written by Roberto Patino and Lisa Joy one of the showrunners so uh you know this was a a star studied cast of people behind the scenes to make this episode and this entire season and I can't wait to watch it as a 10 hour movie you know what I mean James yeah which these new HBO series basically are 10 hour movies split up into 10 parts and Meant to be kind of binged. I know it's released week by week, but I think when they have the production of these shows in mind, they're imagining that people are going to go back and just watch them all at once. Which is exactly what I did, and I can tell you, the experience of watching it week to week as compared to watching all at once, I loved watching it all at once. It made so much more sense. So we're going to break down and recap the episode now, and we're not going to do it scene by scene this time. We're just going to go like storyline by storyline. We have an infrastructure. The episode begins with Arnold and Dolores having a conversation, just like season one began. Oh, book endings, right? Except now it looks like the AI test has turned around. This entire scene kind of felt like Dolores was interviewing Bernard, but Bernard didn't know that he thought it was the other way around. Arnold admits to sometimes being scared by Dolores, which she seems to think is funny. And then all of this turns out to be a dream that Bernard is having when he wakes up completely confused on a beach with security teams pointing guns at him. Yeah, Dolores, I'm uh, I'm just frightened of what you might become. Say, like, I don't know, a warlord, for instance. So Bernard is about to get his head blown off by an angry security force member when Stubbs vouches for him and says, Hey, you can't shoot him. He's the boss. Which is a callback to a line from the first season. As well as an entrance to many mysteries. Like, one, how did Stubbs get out of the Ghost Nation flank we saw him in last season? And two, how did Bernie get from the night of the, you know, indiscriminate shooting into a crowd to being, you know, laying on a beach, not knowing where he was? So that is the timeline mechanic that we're using this season. Basically, there's been a two-week time jump, as Stubbs explains to Bernard, and all this shit has gone down in the interim that we don't know about quite yet. We had three to four timelines... At any given moment last season, it looks to be like we'll have three this season as well. The night of the attack, two weeks after when Bernie wakes up on the beach and the subsequent events after that, as well as the William and Logan timeline, which will be coming back. But we didn't see it all this episode, sad. Stubb takes Bernard to meet the new head of operations, Carl Strand. On the way there, he sees members of the security team just executing innocent hosts who beg for their lives. It was really sad because as Bernie was watching this happen, you could feel that he first off, he was in bad shape to begin with. And then secondly, watching his innocent friends like he considers them to be, you know, he just found out they're they're his kind. He's just watching the genocide of of his race. And he just has to be cool with it carl strand when we meet him is throwing these chinese military officers off the island i guess they thought they had some authority here but he informs them that basically the island belongs to delos and they have no say in what goes on here this informs one of the things that the audience was really trying to look out for in season one which was where is the park which, when asked to Jonah and Lisa at some point during an interview with them, they were like, Yeah, we don't really think that matters, but everyone else does, so maybe we'll tell them this is a little bit of a hint. Perhaps it is a island off of China, and it is in that area. And uh, all of Reddit was like, Okay, good. We know that one thing that we think really matters. And Jonah and Lisa were like, Okay, guys, good. You, There's a lot of other stuff to know. To know, Okay. In an effort to get some answers, Carl Strand orders one of his techniques to basically perform a lobotomy on a dead host, and they rip, rip open his brain, they catch a glimpse of the, the maze on the top of his scalp like the man in black did in season one, and they upload his last memory onto a tablet, which is basically Dolores executing this Ghost Nation host by shooting him in the face. As Bernard is getting led past all of the robots being killed and the temporary beach home base setup looking at real like futuristic boats off in the distance a a new face is introduced to us a character named mailing who seems to be part of the security force she's going through little cards red cards that show the people who are hosts or the people who are it's to identify who's a host and who's not and when she looks at the Bernie card with him not with him wearing glasses as he's not wearing glasses on the beach she looks at it skeptically yeah they've got some bad intel apparently on bernard yeah and mailing plus her boss carl strand played by a scars guard are obviously angry at Stubbs when Stubbs tries to tell him one or two things that may or may not be facts carl strand calls him out like yeah you think i'm gonna take orders and or advice from the guy who lost the most lives out of anything that's ever gone wrong in the park shut up ashley yeah, fair criticism, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a little bit on you, Stuff. You didn't check the cameras for such a long period of time. It's actually nuts. Seeing the video of Dolores killing the host triggers Bernard to remember the night of the Gala massacre. After Ford gets shot and all hell breaks loose, him and several other members of the board, including Charlotte Hale, are hiding in a barn as they listen to Sideburns Trevor and his gang kill some members of the board really glad sideburns trevor is coming back they're playing that game where they're shooting a cup off the top of someone's head except now it's not a robot it is a board member and a lady who's very scared and it was sad when she died you mentioned that bernard had kind of a flashback and it was a lot of different pieces of content rapidly put in succession. The information we gained from it was at some point he was going to meet Peter Abernathy in some sort of hut. He was there after some sort of battle in the control room, probably the same one Sizemore and Maeve would come across later in this episode. He meets up with Dolores and they have a conversation about ideology. She's wearing a black dress that's similar to the white dress Angela wore when she said hi to William, but it's a black dress kind of indicating it's probably 30 years ago. And uh, we also see William and Logan. The one time we will see them in this episode, William sort of sees Bernie and is like, you look weirdly familiar as I move on with my life. And we also see a new body being made, a skeleton, which maybe it's Bernard's, I don't know. But it would would explain perhaps how he fixes his eventual fluid leakage, but also kind of informs the two timeline thing. So if you don't know, the reference we made to Sideburns Trevor, the leader of, like, the outlaw gang that terrorizes Dolores' house every night, is played by the actor who plays Trevor in GTA V, and he's got fantastic Sideburns, hence his nickname. Sideburns Trevor. Now it makes all the sense to you guys. I'm glad we're on this journey together. They decide to make a break for it. Bernard knows an access point to the labs, which is two miles away, but before they can go... The innocent young stable boy comes inside and offers to help them. I don't think it's going to go well for this stable boy. As he walks up, he asks if they want to go, quote, ride for green pastures of the valley beyond, unquote, a quote that, was recently said by Dolores like two minutes ago in the video of her executing the Ghost Nation guy who they lobotomized on the beach uh, uh, with one of another, another new technician who is a new face added whose name was Mr. Costa. Got it. So as this stable hand is walking up, saying this line that has now been said twice, kind of inferring that it's been written for them still, and Dolores isn't speaking with words that are hers even now, which would be, you know, even more tragic, the Bernie realizes in that moment that he's pr- leaking goo out of his ear, and then after that, tries to stop the rest of the people who are with him, to who are, you know, kicking the crap out of the stable boy, and he's like, no, come on, I've seen enough, no, oh, you you did it anyway that's a bummer i'm sad yeah you feel bad for the stable boy because he was really cute and nice seeming and they just pummeled him to death he reminds me of that guy who was in the confeder- confederado camp in episode 9 or 10 with william who's like i didn't do anything please don't hurt me and you're like william please don't hurt him but you know he he did he did it anyway So they do escape, and on their way to the access point, they come across an all-terrain vehicle, which seems to have some text surrounding it, but this turns out to be a trap set by Angela and a bunch of other Wyatt's men. And basically everybody gets killed. One guy, one nameless guy, gets to run away, but everyone other than Bernard and Charlotte ends up getting shot in the face. And let's all remember that Wyatt is Dolores. They are the same person Arnold at some point put those two characters together to be able to let Dolores do all the bad things that she, that she wants to do. Bernie realizes it's a trap and then is like, no, Charlotte Hale, don't go over there. This is obviously stupid. And Charlotte Hale is, in this moment, taking Bernie to a secret, secret, secret black spot. Like, a place that she believes that Ford doesn't know about. But as we know, Ford totally knows. He totally knows all these things. He's dead and he probably knows all these things. You know, dead question mark, but still, I it feels like Ford is a hundred percent still in control of all of this. Right. Charlotte leads Bernard to a hidden elevator, which takes them to a secret Delos compound in the park. She attempts to contact Delos headquarters saying she needs to be rescued. They turn her down saying there's not going to be a rescue till you bring us the thing we sent you there to get. They say that you have to bring us the package in that moment. It sort of feels like for a second that Maeve was the package and that we were kind of being red herringed. But then you remember that, no, Peter Abernathy is the package. He's lost somewhere. And Bernie in the flashback obviously sees him. So they're going to have to go try to find him. And Hale will probably have to do the same thing with the help of, well, somebody somebody's help. We get the first glimpse of what Charlotte Hale calls a drone which are basically these hosts that are 3D printed, but not given any kind of features. And they look like maybe they have a little extra body armor or something. They're pretty scary and imposing looking. And Bernard doesn't seem happy when he meets it. No, because he is like in charge of all the hosts and he's never seen these before. So he's like, where were these made? And why don't we know anything about it? As they're entering this underground bunker, they have to do a DNA scan. So like Charlotte Hale puts her thumb on there and she's like, Bernie, just do it. And Bernie's eyes are like, oh no he puts his thumb on there it works he's like oh oh boy i am glad i am not murdered right now yeah this speaks to robert ford's expert craftsmanship that he can make a really convincing fake human with dna apparently seriously keep patting yourself on the back dead question mark robert ford you've done a great job bernard also sees the same procedure of a host having its brain ripped out and its memories being read and he discerns from that that Delos is using Westworld to collect the memories and DNA of the newcomers who visit the park. They are scraping any and every piece of information from the hosts and the guests as possible. A person put on a little Easter egg online where it was in the Delos contract that everyone signs when they go into Westworld that says, you know, Delos controls all the rights to skin cells, bodily fluids, secretions, excretions, hair samples, saliva, sweat, blood, or any bodily functions not listed here. Delos can do anything they want with those things. And you signed the contract already. So that is a bummer for you. In the same scene, we also see the white drone host kind of scraping off DNA off of a uh, a robot dong. Dong watch in this, by the way, if you don't know and if you've never listened to this before, we had a dong watch back in the day for season one as to say like... This show is putting a lot of phallic objects on screen, as opposed to Game of Thrones, which is which is mostly aimed at the uh, at the bodily figure of of women. This one has a lot more dongs. This is the first dong being scraped by a drone, so they're taking DNA off of any and every part. And also, there were there was there was a dong. So just let, I had to let you guys know. Charlotte tells Bernard that he needs her help to locate the host which they've stored the important code into, Peter Abernathy. Hype. And Bernard says that he has a way to do it. If he can dissect another host, he can kind of ping a bunch of different hosts to try to get closer and closer to the location of Peter Abernathy through what he calls the Mesh Network. In that mesh network, he describes as kind of a relay system where he gives information to one host and the next host next to them gets that information passed on to them, kind of like Bluetooth airdrop. And through that mesh network, something can spread throughout the park at a rapid pace. Throughout all of this, Bernie is shaking violently. And Charlotte Hale is like, are you fine? And Bernie doesn't say this out loud, but he could be like, well, my ear is leaking. Uh, I think it's the coolant that keeps my brain from overheating and me dying. Also, I just watched a bunch of my friends get shot and the last two weeks of my life have just been hella difficult. Or at least not the last two weeks. This is at the beginning of this. He doesn't even know what the next two weeks of his life are going to be. We don't either, but it does look difficult. Yeah, it seems like the trauma of everything that happened is kind of causing him to malfunction, which we did see a little bit of in season one. And this time he actually gets an error message like, You are on the brink of an imminent terminal malfunction, and you're going to need some backup fluid. Which stands to reason, because he shot himself in the head recently and only kind of got Star Trek back to life by Felix a little bit. He kind of, like, he closed the hole, but when he, he did, he was like, it did graze his cortical whatever, whatever, so... To fix that while Charlotte Hale is getting dressed into other clothes and out of the gold dress that she was wearing, she Bernard kind of takes a syringe and takes all the milk out of the host he was working on and puts it into his own neck, kind of temporary, temporarily fixing himself. And then he is able to move on and continue accessing the mesh network. And we're going to come back to Bernard, but now we're going to jump over to Dolores, who only had a few scenes, but they were really scary monologue yeah scary and full of monologues so teddy and dolores are having a fantastic time riding horses and shooting members of the board we're not sure when this is because it's broad daylight so it's definitely after the gala massacre but it could be weeks after or it could be the next day the player piano is playing the entertainer by scott joplin a 1902 classic very playful music that is hilarious i think it was the funniest part of the first episode with the the entertainer playing and teddy and dolores riding throughout a a piece of land shooting aimlessly and at people at in the park it was it was just a lot a lot of it was a it was a rip-roaring good time some of the board members that they're able to capture they string up with nooses on top of these little planks so that if they may don't maintain their balance for even a moment they're gonna hang and die Dolores does begin a monologue where she starts treating the board members as if they were hosts, the way that they were all treated. And she seems to be switching back and forth from, like, innocent Dolores with her country accent, crazy Wyatt with his, like, insane mannerisms, and then a third, basically a new character, who is the self-actualized Dolores who has reached the end of the maze. Yeah, it's acting gymnastics, and Evan Rachel Wood does an amazing job within this conversation, she says that survival is our cornerstone, which is like, ooh, that rips to the core of me. That's fun. Although this entire scene felt very on the nose. And if it turns out that Ford is still writing all this dialogue for her, even from the grave, it will make a lot more sense. Because the monologue stuff feels very megalomaniac, feels very like preachy, which was Ford's game, not so much Dolores's game. And and this was kind of the only part of the episode I wasn't a fan of entirely because it felt like she was talking a lot and not doing a lot and I wanted it to move forward quicker but it's interesting to me how it kind of felt like I felt like the way I said the way I felt in the first half of the first season with Maeve like where it was kind of getting set up too much and not enough was happening and then the payoff at the end was definitely worth it which speaks to like how this show is better maybe bingeable where you can get over the part where Dolores just talks for five minutes and you're like this is long and feels weird but she's my girl but it it feels like if I had just gotten to the second or third or fourth episode immediately I'd have been like vindicated immediately and been fine with it the board members beg for their lives but Dolores leaves them to hang and just turns her back on them a little bit a la the good the bad and the ugly actually except you know in that one he lets Tuco go right which you feel good about the tuco letting go and you feel pretty bad about dolores just killing off board members who may or may not deserve it we don't fully know later teddy and dolores are kind of gazing out onto the scenery and teddy asks why they're doing all these violent things and dolores kind of without stating it explicitly explains to him the nature of the reality of being a host Teddy asks, like, since they're free now, why don't they just run away and be together? And Dolores says that they never can be free, basically so long as there are humans out there anywhere. We have to kill everybody before we're free, and you're going to help me. It felt a little Jamie and Cersei. If you don't watch Game of Thrones, that means, like, a a couple of People who are in a relationship, but the power is not the same. And Teddy feels a little conflicted about murdering all these people, which is which is more human from him than I think we've than we've seen recently. She has Dolores has a telling line at the end of this where she says, I know how this story ends with us, Teddy. It ends with you and me. And that and I was like, oh, my God, is she, is she inferring that she's going to kill Teddy or that Teddy's going to kill her or that they're going to kill each other? Or is this something positive? It doesn't feel positive. Angela arrives. I guess she's Dolores's number two lieutenant or something and reports that they've found it very ominously. Dolores turns to Teddy and says, it's time I show you the truth. Right, which we didn't get the answer to in this episode, right? That never comes up again? No. Yeah, and Angela still has the crown of thorns. It still looks very, very painful. Next, I want to talk about the Maeve storyline, which was so much fun this episode. I actually... Maeve and Lee make such a good comedic duo right we really liked when Elsie and Ashley Stubbs were together in season one and then when you see Lee and Maeve together you're like wow that's at a whole other level they're almost so likable it hurts there's if you watch that storyline and you don't like Maeve at the end of this and you're not rooting for Maeve at the end of this episode then then this show's doing nothing for you Down in the labs, Lee Sizemore is being attacked by some scary, insane cannibal host. And he gets saved by Maeve. The humans have lost their ability to freeze all motor functions, but not Maeve. No, Maeve is still very much a superhero. She kind of... Come out of nowhere and ex machina helps him out right at the last second this is a fun callback for lee because this is the same cannibal host who was attacking lee and uh and he was writing dialogue for him back in the first season when he was like no try the word moist that one's much worse and he's about to get eaten by him except maeve comes up and saves the day lee begs for help saying that he can help her navigate the park and that he knows where a map is and maeve obliges He does know where the map is he has recently urinated on it they get to the main control room everyone is dead there's a bear on the floor dead for some reason yeah it it look it it looks like a lot of awful things have happened in this area very recently i mean it just looks like someone is playing skyrim with the mods on and they're dropping bears randomly yeah exactly playing far cry 5 all bears the hologram map is totally busted So Lee's not really going to help anymore in that department. Maeve says that she needs his help to find her daughter, which he remembers writing a storyline for her where she was a homesteader who had a daughter. And he points rightly out like, you know, that's not your real daughter. We wrote that for you. Now she's someone else's daughter. And Maeve flies into a rage. Yeah, she gets very like Play-Doh on him. Am I real? Are the bullets in these gun that I could pull the trigger on and shoot you and make you dead real? What is real, Lee? I think that line is being a little blurred. And you should get past it, because you're helping me whether you like it or not. She takes Lee prisoner, basically, and forces him to follow her through the labs. They come across a brutalized host who Maeve kind of mercy deactivates. Yeah, kind of like William did. Well i wouldn't call it mercy deactivating what william did in the first season when dolores goes off to do something i would kill it kind of kill categorize it under like murder more mave is a robot so it makes a lot more sense and 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 humanizes her even more in this moment a security team shows up to rescue them mave does a good job pretending to be an employee lee is just about to betray her because he's been saying to her, like, you know, you just turn yourself in. I'll vouch for you. We'll get you back into the park. They won't lobotomize you like they're going to do with all these other hosts. Oh, yeah. He totally throws her under the bus uh, immediately. Like, hey, what if one of the hosts were wearing normal clothes? Uh, wink, wink, nudge. Please shoot this lady. But before they can accost Maeve, they get attacked by a bunch of roving hosts and a gunfight ensues and Maeve and Lee are able to get away. Yeah, because Maeve is an amazing shot. It's nuts. Maeve forces Lee to show her where the nearest bar is because she's certain she's going to find Hector there. And she does. And Hector is still alive, though badly wounded. And he's drinking a bottle of whiskey up next to the pool on the top floor, I guess. And they are incredibly happy to see each other. Hector pledges himself to her. They kiss. It feels real. It feels like back in the tent when she tipped over the kerosene lamp to purposely kill themselves. It feels like they're really in love. And I, I, and this is right after Mave is like, you know what's real, and then right goes to something where she's kissing someone and. And he is, you know, full of bullets, but she turned down his pain sensibility. So he's like, yeah, no, I'm totally fine. We don't see our mistress. Where is our mistress? She was down there helping before, too. Is she still down there? Question marks. But yeah, oh, I ship Maeve and Hector like a million jillion percent. Mave takes Hector down to the labs to fix him up, which I guess she either learned from Felix or had it downloaded into her brain like Neo in The Matrix. I know. Emergency surgery show me (laughs) i can learn that immediately i learned uh, how to fly a helicopter i could totally learn how to scalpel you mae forces lee to get dressed as a host and in doing so forces him to strip down to completely naked against his wishes it's a little bit of sexual harassment here that is a main character dong alert everybody dong watch 2018 is is lit three fire emojis Yeah, it's almost like maybe we don't even need Dog Watch 2018. I think Westworld is making a bold statement. He's like, okay, you know, there haven't been dongs on HBO for a long time, but this is going to change now, all right? This is the the, the era of dongs. The era of dongs is the new normal. Get used to it. I'm just counting down to the day when HBO has the balls to put an erect dong on TV. Who knows? Wow. I mean... Sure, <laughs> yeah, that that will be, the day that happens, the internet will, I guess, probably explode, right? I mean, I don't know, I don't know that it's 100% necessary, but it will be groundbreaking. It, it will be a weird one, people won't see it. ah, uh, that's gross, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, no, I, I don't, that is iffy on whether that lays in there. <laughs> yeah, you, you should be very judicious in your cuts for this episode. Yeah, uh, It's going to be a toughie. So in a totally ruined and desolated Escalante, sometime after the massacre, we can assume the next day because William is still hiding out under the corpse of another board member. Very thrifty of him. Right. He emerges from this hiding place, runs into another nameless board member who calls him Bill. That's the first time we've heard him called Bill. Yeah, he's like, you You played this fast and loose for too long, Bill. And now we're all dead. Oops, I'm dead. And he gets shot in the back. And then the man in black wins a 2v1 and is like, and proves to you, if you didn't know already, that he is really good at this game. Right. He doesn't need the safety measures to be on, apparently, because he can still just handle this solo. He's been training for this for 30 years. Also, getting your throat cut by Ed Harris must be so dope. He walks into a nearby cabin and just like Rambo treats his bullet wound. And he puts on his iconic black clothing, transforming back into the Man in Black. He finds the exact hat he needs in a chest right next to him. And I was like, that is incredibly convenient. Later on, the Man in Black is riding through the prairie and he scavenges some food and water off these dead hosts when he encounters little boy Ford host from season one. Riding up on his horse, Ned, Robert Ford, the little boy, comes up to him with his walking stick and really neat vest. While Robert Ford boy is talking, he's kind of voice boxing the whole time with Robert Ford's voice coming in and out of the kid's voice. It's incredibly creepy. This is another... Kind of notch on the board for Robert Ford is still doing all of this because this is, I mean, this is straight up a message from Ford post death. He's the boy is literally like, hey, hey, William, this is the real game now, and I'm delivering it right right to your face. Ford congratulates the man in black on finding the center of the maze and now announces a new game to find the door. The man in black basically accepts the challenge and says that he doesn't really need Ford's advice or his help and just blows his brains out. He murders a kid that's just so out of character for him. Yeah, right. This is definitely not <laughs> the latest in a long string of child murders that he's been doing for 30 years. He has like a, a piece of paper in his pocket. He takes out. He's like, OK, that's 45 kids. Has to be a record. So back in the future, we don't know how long exactly from when the Men in Black is, but back in Bernie's future, him and the security team arrive at Escalante. They examine Ford's corpse, which is definitely decomposing with maggots. So that's a human body. I don't believe the hosts decompose or are even made of actual human tissue like the way the terminator has human tissue over his skeleton i think the hosts are totally synthetic right yeah it kind of feels like that is just putting right out there for the audience like no this is a real human body it's really dead if ford is alive it is not within a actual human body it is with with some sort of consciousness thing and we're not gonna tell you so so deal with that <laughs> Strand orders the security team to split up and look for answers. They come to the edge of a lake where they inexplicably find a dead tiger host. And Stubb claims that they have tigers in park six, but he's never seen a stray leave one park and enter another. So it stands to reason that there is no, like, wall between parks. This is all sort of on the same plane. So... It, they're the only thing keeping all the robots in their in their park is programming which is now all messed up so the big cat came over and is not supposed to be here so we're getting our clue that you know these robots can go back and forth shogun world can be west world and west world can be shogun world and it will ma- it will make sense for mave to just be able to walk over there and then they walk upon a, a valley and you're like hey Oh, the word valley has been said twice in this episode already. Foreshadowing. But when they arrive, it is no longer a valley. It's now a giant sea that Robert Ford somehow made without anybody noticing. Great work, Stubbs. You are S- the security chief. Seriously. He didn't notice a, a, an ocean being made. It's on the new version of the map, Stubbs. Look at the map. When they get there, they look at Bernie like, did you know this was here? He's like, no. No. There are a whole lot of mysteries, even for me. Something tells me Stubbs is going to get pulled in front of Congress, Zuckerberg style, and grilled over all this. I mean, to be fair, we don't know what Stubbs has been doing these last two weeks. We don't know how he escaped Ghost Nation. We don't know if Elsie is alive and helped him do so. Ah, There are so many Stubbs questions, which is a whole lot of fun because he was on screen for like five minutes and it made all the questions in the world. When they look a little bit closer, they see that this sea is absolutely filled with the corpses of dead hosts. And Strand turns to Bernard and says, listen, I need your help. If we are ever going to figure this out and save the humans left in the park, what happened here? To which Bernard kind of staring off into nothing replies, I killed them. I killed them all. Right after he says that, we get a close-up of some robots who are in the pond slash lake, and it looks a lot like Teddy's in there. And that is the end of the episode, and I gotta say, my favorite episode of Westworld so far. I thought this was so good. Really, I don't think it was yes. my favorite. I think I probably like the pilot and finale of the season of season one more. But it was really good. The Teddy death count is at one. If he's really dead, uh, we're teasing the 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 Twitter section in the future. There were a whole lot of. There were a lot of interesting things that happened. I I like that they're still doing a timeline thing. I think this show kind of thrives off of having multiple moments in time where you're not exactly sure where you are at any given moment. And I was thoroughly entertained the entire time. It was neat. So if you haven't seen the original Westworld movie, we're basically, we've hit the third act of the movie where season one was kind of the intro to the park and the buildup to the disaster and then the third act of the original westworld movie is when the massacre happens and that's we've just entered that basically if you want to parallel the movie and the show jonah and lisa have said in the past that season one will be looked out looked back on you know once they reach season six through eight assumably that's how long hbo shows are normally they say that when you look back on it season one will kind of come off as a prequel. Which makes more sense, or I think will keep making more sense as season two goes on. And you're like, oh, this is the stuff. This is it. This is it. The stuff that's happening. It's all happening. So we are about to move into Twitter comments and wild theories. And so if you want to keep yourself virginal and pure, now is your chance to shut off the podcast. Just stay here. Stay here with us. Friends. Be our friends. Yeah. Take the blue pill and come down this rabbit hole with us. Or is it? Or is it the red pill? I don't know. I haven't seen The Matrix in a while, but I keep referencing it. I always thought about that scene where uh, Morpheus was holding out both of those pills, and while he was in the middle of the sentence describing which pill for me to take, if I took both of them at the same time, what would happen? Yeah, something bad probably. No, I'm so sure we it'd got be a fine. lot. <laughs> we got a lot of tweets uh, after this episode, didn't we? Yeah, the the tweet storm that ensued was way more than the normal one or two. We have like ten. It's nutty, dude. So, do we get any comments, questions, and wild theories? What are we looking at? We're first the another podcast. The is called Violent Delights. Said. We'll, we kind of conversing because earlier in the week we were talking about everyone was posting their four favorite movies because of the Tribeca Film Festival hashtag that was going around. We all put our our favorite movies up and I said we should be on each other's shows. So we'll probably be on De Violent Delights at some point this season and they'll probably have a guest role if on ours. It will be nice. Some podcast switcherooing. You know? Whoa. Synergy. I know. Friendship friendships happening in the real world what is real right Maeve okay <laughs> I also posted I posted some some possible things I thought were going to happen to each character for for Teddy I said that you know he was going to be a bit more than a regular bodyguard this season but and he's going to be you know less good at dying but you know he was dead ish perhaps maybe in this first episode lying in that lake and I had a current prediction for how many times Teddy was going to die this season at only one and that was the one it was already used up in the first season maybe that's his only one and then somebody responded uh, at Hacks Dogma said oh interesting I'm going to say that one but it was at Dolores's hand hmm yeah that's interesting so I have a number of theories but I don't want to be imposing on someone else if they mentioned it on Twitter. I will save them till the end. Okay, I, I, I will keep going through these theories. I had I, I said something to the effect of like, where were all my other friends this episode? Where was Elsie, Sylvester, Felix, Armistice, Lars, William, Logan, Peter? And then someone uh, <laughs> added, at Amir Al Sig said, dude, Elsie's dead. And I said, dude, I don't think she is. But we'll see. Do you think Elsie's dead? We both don't think Elsie's dead. She has to be alive. Well, she's she's confirmed back in the new season, so she is either alive or living on in the memory of other characters' flashbacks. Yeah, she'll have to pop up some way, somehow, and I look forward to it. Shannon Woodward is really great. I look. She uses the F word in wonderful ways. Lauren sent in a bunch of things. At Very Lovely, LJ always writes in to us. She's very, very nice, and we're so glad that she keeps coming back. She says, not sure where to begin. There's so many clues. Obviously, Bernard is in a split timeline, which we've discussed. It's kind of two weeks ahead and two weeks in the past, the night of the indiscriminate shooting. She uh, said that she was kind of confused as to why those all those bodies were at the party. And then, you know, two weeks later, we're in the ocean. That's a question we all have, too. She said, also, there's a theory those hosts in the ocean aren't dead and are just waiting. And Bernard did that to them with the mesh network and knows that everything down there is still alive. Thoughts? Hmm. Yeah, that's... That is really clever, if that is the case. I'm wondering if Bernard has a bigger plan. Like, has he switched sides and is now planning to save the hosts? Because he seems to be, in my opinion, he seems to be still in the headspace that he is human. And he's not the same as the hosts in the park. Lauren gives the credit here to Reddit. She's like, ah, oh, that's a the theory I read on Reddit. I just need to let you know I said that's fine. I'll say it as Lauren as per the internet. But you're right. Bernard has to pick sides really soon. He has to pick Maeve or Dolores, and they have different versions of what is winning. And also, you know, is Bernard gonna subscribe to the notion that Arnold wanted to do to get rid of the to get rid of the threat of to the host, which is Let's just kill all the hosts. Or is he going to subscribe to the notion that Ford wanted, which is like, why kill all the hosts when they're better than humans and we'll just replace all the humans? Ta-da. Corey L. Williams at Geo Metroid said, you guys ready for the big return of Westworld? Hashtag plenty time, ready for the best name? And we are. We hope, we hope you're ready, Corey. I am ready to rap God hashtag Clementine Penny Feather best name 100% of the time. I'm so excited. If you guys don't know, we have a little bit of a hashtag that nobody really uses, but it's going to catch on. It's going to be a wildfire. It's hashtag Clementine Penny Feather, best name. And that is just to point out that Clementine Pennyfeather has the best name. At Andy Sachs tweeted us, I am so excited to watch the new season with y'all. Expect lengthy think pieces in your DMs and emails. And we do expect them, and so you better send those in, Andy. I look so forward to them. I cannot wait to have long, lengthy discussions. Slide into my DMs hundred thousand million jillion percent of the time. This is going to be so fun. History Bad Ideas has a comment. If Dolores could stop monologuing, it would be nice. I love her character, but my goodness, stop talking and just do it. Andy ends up with a theory, and they are so going to Future World. Yeah, I mean... That is kind of echoing what I said. I'm going to give Dolores a second chance. She was the only part of this first episode that was a little draggy and a little weird. But I am not off that train yet. She's still wonderful. As for going to Future World, this is a theory I wanted to bring up. Ryan and I have not yet done an episode on Future World, nor have I seen Future World, but I know what it's about. So spoilers for Future World if you're worried about spoiling a movie that is supposedly terrible. In that movie, they Delos is using their hosts to create proxies of powerful people and I wonder is is that what's going on in the show with the collection of memories and DNA's are, we, are they actually going to reference Future World, that, <laughs> the movie that nobody likes? That would be nuts because it, it's I mean it's an interesting idea is is Delos just recreating senators, you know, it, it would it would stand to reason that that would be helpful in a in a world that is kind of messed up. We don't exactly know what the outside world is like. We get the inkling that it's not going great. It's been sort of weirdly, kind of sort of leaked that this is maybe in like twenty fifty to twenty sixty, somewhere around there, maybe fifty or forty years in the future ish. So, yeah, are they just replacing people and? Does, and Ford knows this, by the way. Whatever it is, whatever Delos is doing, Ford totally knew, and his actions were in direct reason, or in direct response to what Delos is doing, and, you know, his own ego. Jay Binder, or Jason at Jay Binder asks, who was in charge of the cards? Were they kill or capture cards? That's a very interesting question. He's talking about the cards, the red cards, that that mailing played by Betty Gabriel from Get Out, was looking at at the beginning of the episode when they found Bernie and were like, okay, don't kill the boss. Zilly Cakes at Zilly Cakes says, This bothers me. Felix and Sylvester had to rebuild Mae from the skeleton up so her spine wouldn't explode when she left the park. So how did the tiger escape the park? How was Peter, the package, Abernathy, supposed to go from tepid storage immediately to the outside world? So for the tiger... The tiger just left one area of the park and walked to the other. In the original Westworld movie, that's also kind of how it worked. Like, there were just clear borders, and you could walk straight from Westworld to Roman World, so maybe that's okay with the tiger. His point about Peter Abernathy is a bit better. How was Charlotte going to get him off the island without him detonating and exploding and killing her? Yeah, I I don't know, but... Whoever is in charge of Delos, who is not the majority stakeholder, because that's the man in black, he's not the one answering Charlotte Hale when she's in that basement. So whomever else is is also in charge really, really wants Peter Abernathy, and and they are going to try their very, very best to go find him, which is wonderful because Louis Hertham, who plays Peter Abernathy, is so, so good. Just another Reddit theory, which was that... The reason that Mailing was looking at the cards kind of weird and that Bernie was being led without being offered any water or food or anything and just being led down the beach and being asked questions by Carl Strand was that this is something that they've done multiple times and they're kind of taking him on a loop and they know he's a host because someone found out within that two week time frame and they're just using him. But And if that's true, that's neat and fun. But it is, I think, the, the most out there... It's the most out there thing that, if true, would be cool. But it is out. It is interesting and out there. So the theory that I want to get out there is: at the beginning of the episode, we had Bernie seemingly remembering something that happened to Arnold. So I'm wondering: has Robert Ford implanted Arnold's like memories or DNA somehow? Like, if Arnold is a ghost in the machine, has he been planted into Bernard? And is Bernard now walking around with Bernard Lowe host personality, Arnold Weber human personality, and then also his own self-actualized end of the maze personality like Dolores that he has achieved? And if so, maybe that would explain, because we know that Arnold obviously was pro-robot liberation, it would explain why maybe Bernard has switched sides and now he believes that too. Yeah, I mean, Arnold was pro-robot. Murder, really? He, I mean, the way he wanted it was that all the robots just were going to be dead, and his creations shouldn't see the light of day because they just were never going to be treated the way he wanted them to be treated. While Ford was on the other side of that, like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, how about they just take over? That would be fine too. But they need time to to roast up in that in that gumbo, really marinate in the tragedy that is their lives to become conscious and actually conscious one day that Arnold couldn't figure out. But yeah, I mean, I. Uh, yeah, it's a good theory. It, it, it's an it's an interesting one. A little bit of a, uh, we should write a a a think piece on it. Like that guy told us not to. How about you, Ryan? You got anything in the chamber? Anything crazy? I I just it's not a theory so much as I think the big question for season two is still how much of this is Ford how much of what Dolores and Maeve are saying, is it all still scripted? Because, I mean, even at one point, Maeve says a line that's, like, campy and stupid to Lee. And she's like, and she's like, ew, what, what, did, what, what did I just say? And Lee was like, I wrote that for you. And she was like, yeah, that's a little too broad. So they're all still saying words that have been written for them in some way. I just want to know what percentage of all that is happening right now did Ford pre-think still? Because... He is a true god, a true genius, who knows and who who predicted a whole lot of this already. You know, is he still in control? Or is... When will the threshold be passed by Maeve, Dolores, and Bernard that 50% is in control by Ford and 50% is in control by them? You know what I mean? Yeah, I really wonder is this really still Ford's game? Like he said to the man in black, is he just trolling all of humanity? And none of this is the original thought of any host other than Dolores, which like, does he believe that he is the only one who can usher in the sentience as well as like it it is, it's a, his seeing the fault in where his robots are. And he believes that they have to go through more turmoil and more tragedy, even after his death. So he doesn't think they're there yet if he's still playing games, you know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder, are we going to see more hosts kind of reach the end of their maze as this chaos ensues, or are there basically only a chosen few? And I think that perfect example will be Teddy. Will Teddy just die for what Dolores wants, or will Teddy reach his own sentience? Because if he doesn't reach his own sentience, and he's just been someone who's good at getting shot, then he will be even more tragic than any of the main characters, in my opinion. Perhaps maybe not Maeve. Who knows? Anyway, ah, I want to see Maeve with a samurai sword. So I definitely want to give a shout-out to our old friend Brian, who made our new logo... Uh, if you've been following the show for a while, we had a terrible logo that I made in ten minutes with my limited abilities. But Brian actually is a graphic designer, and using Ryan and my ideas, he came up with something which I really like, and I hope you all like too. It is it's a it's a lit logo, dogs. I liked the one you made; it was very straightforward and 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 made a lot of sense. But we have upgraded a hundred percent. We are we're we're new and uh, we're we're better, James. We're. We're new and we're better. <laughs> so a big part of this show, guys, is just the fandom interacting and bouncing ideas and questions and comments off together. So please, if you've got something, send us a tweet at Westworld Ryan. Send us a long form email, the Westworld at gmail.com, And we will read it on the show and discuss it and probably be like, wow, that's insightful or oh, I don't know. We will say your name for free content and then join us here next week. When we recap episode 2 of season 2 of The Westworld phenomena. <laughs> it's a phenomena. It's a phenomena. As many phenomena as you have to put out the fan of phenomena. It's as many phenomena as you want it to be. I'm James and I'm Ryan and this is the Westworld podcast.